Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Brewers Outlet Day, everybody. Great to have you with us. The King will join us today, but I only say that to remind Matt. Hey, I'm ready to go. Really? Oh, yeah. Got our picks all set. I have my picks ready. Wow. Who did what last week? Well, we'll have to tell us to the King a little bit later, but... I am now in first place at eight and six. You are right. seven and seven. King is six and eight. King actually has made a comeback. He did. King and I were four and three last week. There you go. And you were three and four. Wow, I have no idea who I picked. All right, so <laughs> really, I don't. I have no idea. Who I you picked. missed. Um, we both missed Indy. He had Minnesota. He yeah. got Marshall in the App State game. We both had App State, mm-hmm. and then we all lost on New Orleans. And then I, I had the I had Miami over Louisville. You guys had Louisville. Oh yeah, that's right. I think I said something about Scott Satterfield's better coach than Manny Diaz, <laughs> yes. which he is, which he is. I mean, it's not I me. Mean, sorry, but yeah, he doesn't screw anybody over at the last second. No. Well, the Temple fans agree with me. Exactly. Uh, today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The Beverage Supermarket. Imports Domestics Microbrews. Best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day in the pickle bar. Led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. And six great flavors of slushies all at Brewer's Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we are in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Happy Friday to each and every one of you. Ah. Three more empty weekends, and then we can get, you know, after this, three more empty weekends before we get to Fitbat. Big Ten Fitbat. As we pointed to you, yes, pointed out to you yesterday that the Pac 12 yesterday was going to vote and did on a season. And. It's going to be a seven-gamer. But they're going to start November 6th. There's also one other part of that decision that uh, went under the radar. Matt obviously playing Minecraft. Uh, starting to worry me a little bit. You've been hanging around, you know who, just enough. <laughs> just enough to, you know where I think most people would be concerned. Um, yeah. 
But what one of the radars that the Pac-12, which said it was doing nothing, we're not doing anything till January first, nothing. Not only are they going to play football starting November sixth, which is a Friday night, but they're going to play basketball starting November twenty-fifth, like everybody else. So we thought we'd mention that as well. All right. So that's what they're doing. The Mountain West joined the fray when uh, they announced that they would have an eight-game season starting the same weekend as the Big Ten, October 24th. Now, the one group we're waiting on right now would be the Mid-American Conference. And we're waiting on them because it looks like they're going to vote on the possibility of a six-game season. As of right now, without the Mid-American Conference, 115 of the 130 FBS teams would be playing. So if the MAC joins in with a six-game schedule, and it looks like six is going to be their number, that would mean 127 of the 130 schools would be back in business and playing. The MAC presidents are scheduled to vote this afternoon. So we're waiting on that. Now, it turned out that the MAC was the first FBS conference to postpone. (laughs) And it's amazing how the Big Ten did what they did, and now the other dominoes are falling into place. If they were to play six games, I would expect them to do what they normally do at this time of the year. To be honest with you, play Tuesday and Wednesday. If you're not going to have fans, does it matter? Take the TV opportunity. Play Tuesday and Wednesday. You don't have big crowds on Tuesdays and Wednesdays anyway. You watch those MAC games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You check in once in a while, see how it's going. And, you know, there are very few people there. Well, fine, since there aren't going to be fans there anyway. Do what you always do. Normally by mid to late October, they start playing exclusively on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. They start playing weekends. I think, In fact, I believe the last weekend of October is normally the weekend that is the last weekend. They play the last four weeks on Tuesday and Wednesday in November. Why not? Why not take that time spot? There. There's no, and again, what isn't there? There's going to be no NBA. There's no NBA. When it comes to basketball, by the way, the NCAA, now Penn State's doing daily testing, so is everybody in the Big Ten. 
The NCAA released health and safety guidelines for college basketball today, including a suggestion to test players, coaches, and officials three times a week during the season. Basketball is classified as a high-contact risk sport unless you play defense like they do in the Pac-12. Just kidding. The joke. So, uh, preseason, let's see. Uh, transition period goes from September 21st, which we're in right now, to October 13th. Then preseason, October 14th and November 24th. Season starts November 25th. When a Tier 1 individual tests positive, it's suggested that all other Tier 1 individuals quarantine as soon as the results are known for a period of 14 days. Contact tracing beginning immediately to determine who was subject to high-risk exposure. The guidelines say that players and coaches on the bench, assuming they have tested negative, don't need to observe distancing rules. However, they suggest that Tier 2 individuals and scorekeepers observe distancing, masking rules, and or move to the other side of the court. Okay. So if that's Tier 1, Tier 2, I would assume that what the suit would be Tier 6, right? <laughs> That sounds about right. You people, so we're Sean Radio. <laughs> uh, let's see. And the NCAA is mulling over the Oversight Committee. The Oversight Committee yesterday recommended that any FBS team playing football this season is eligible for a bowl game. Now, the Division I Council still has to meet and will decide that uh, on October 13-14. Teams are usually required to finish with a 500 overall record. But the Oversight Committee wants to waive that requirement because of the coronavirus pandemic. There are fewer games. Now, see, that's a joke. I mean, are, are we serious now? I, I get we want to be try to be fair as best we can with all this, but we're talking about the, these regular bowl games that hardly anybody cares about. Oh, contraire, Moan Frere. I mean, do, I mean uh, seriously, no, we could no, have no, a could, winless could, hold, team. Hold, oh, just hold on. No, you're not going to have that. All right. First of all, how many bowl games are there? 41, 40, 40 bowl games? That's 80 teams. So that would be 80 out of 127. All right. Um, so let's get to the don't care part. Let me tell you, let me tell you a story. I'm good at story time. A few years ago, Indiana was Indiana's traditional basketball power. Butler's been really good. So it was the CBS game of the week on a Saturday in December. Indiana against Butler in the Champions Classic at Banker's Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. So here's Indiana, traditional power. 
Bucknell, uh, Butler had made a couple of trips to the Final Four. They're going to play each other. Great matchup. CBS features it. The game was opposite the New Mexico Bowl, which was Temple against somebody. I, I don't know, Temple, Wyoming, or whatever. Guess what won the ratings? Somehow the New Mexico Bowl. Your meaningless bowl game. <laughs> okay? First of all, I've said this once, I've said it a hundred times. Nobody is telling you to watch. All right? But people do. ESPN owns 14 of those bowl games, so they own more than a third of them. They own 14 out of the 40 bowl games. They own them. Now, why does ESPN own them? Just like ESPN owns, I don't know, a dozen college basketball tournaments? Now, why do they own them? It's simple. They are a broadcast network, and what's the key to broadcast TV sports? Events, games. That's why they do it. They own it because it's programming. It's brilliant. It's brilliant on their part. The bowl thing that starts... Now, this is this is a different year, so I can't tell you when it's starting and ending or anything like that. I don't know that. So let's just start with this. Let's just take a normal year. The opening of the bowl season would have been December 18, 19, right? And it would go through what? I don't know. January 2nd, 3rd, 4th? Whatever the dates were going to be this year, because the first is a Friday. So there'd probably be some games on Saturday the second. Couple here and there. Maybe one would extend to Monday the fourth, whatever. But in that two week span, fifteen days, fifteen, sixteen days, they air almost all of these bowl games. I know the Sun Bowls on CBS, is a CBS Sportsnet has the Arizona Bowl. Fox has a couple of them now. All right, but of, of the 40, I think ESPN's got 35 of them. 35 or 36. And guess what it is? They stagger them out overnights. They have a bowl game every night. And no, are they the biggest ones? No. But guess what? People watch. Not and maybe not in drugs. There's nobody in the stands. But people do watch. They, they've got the ratings to show it. Do you realize that only one bowl game last year, one, had fewer than a million viewers? There you go. That's impressive. That That's stunning to me, actually. Well, no, I'll give you an okay. um, I'll give you an exa- example. I've talked about this several times. Okay. Wrestling is fighting its guts out and showing it and trying to tell everybody, look, we've got all these viewers. And like the last NCAA wrestling championship had 590,000 viewers. Really good. That's excellent. Yeah, that I would believe, too. That's excellent. Guess what? That's half of the worst bowl game. That's half of the worst lowest-rated bowl game. Half. What does that tell you? And wrestling's the wrestling championship is in the second week of March, 
All right, so there aren't a lot of out-and-about people at that point. Now, obviously, there are more people that are indoors, between, especially between Christmas and New Year's. I'm usually everywhere but here during Christmas and New Year's, but everybody else, they're pretty much in, right? So I realize that comes into play. But again, that tells you the worst bowl game. It's like the, I don't know, the Bahamas Bowl or something like that. The Bahamas Bowl? Got like 990,000 viewers. The only one below a million. I mean, that gives you some perspective. Just like I said, mentioned in the NIT, when Penn State was in the NIT two years ago, their semifinal game against Mississippi State had 920,000 viewers in the semifinal. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's that's almost thirty three to forty percent more viewers than the NCAA wrestling championship had, and the NCAA wrestling championship did great. It did great, but it tells you that the impact of what these others do along the way is more so than you think. All right, we'll take a break. Back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet on News Radio ten seventy WK. Okay. Fall is here. And just like the Lees, prices are falling on new Kias at Sunbury Motors Kia. Now is the best time to get into Sunbury Motors Kia. While others don't have what you're looking for, SMC comes through. 2020 Kia Serenos are up to $6,475 off. Save over four grand on 2020 Kia Sportages. And drive away in a 2020 Kia Soul for as low as $17,990. When you stop by, all prices are clearly marked with rebates and discounts. See the sticker and know the savings. Remember, every new Kia comes with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. Celebrate fall in a new Kia from Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Savings include all applicable discounts and rebates through KMF, including Sunbury Motors Kia discounts. Warranty is limited powertrain warranty. For details, see dealer or go to Kia.com. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. The suit has been writing his uh, open for the last two hours. He actually believes deep down that the right open, you know, that 45 seconds, determines the outcome of the game. It scares me. It scares me. He's, he's extra pumped for this game because he's, he's got a good vibe. He's got a good vibe? He does. He's got the quarterback of the opposing team memorized. What's the? What, I don't get what the vibe is. <laughs> Didn't give me a reason, but he just he just feels good about tonight for the Braves. Last time he said that was before a game at Jersey Shore a few years ago. They haven't let him forget it. All right. Uh, <laughs> today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket imports domestics. Microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. The pickle bar, 
led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Also six great flavors of slushies. Hey, stock up now. First full weekend of the fall. You got SEC football back, the NFL. A lot going on. So you want to make sure you're fully stocked and ready to go. And you can get great deals on cars right now, and you want to deal with Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory, great deals to be had. Fabulous service department, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. So the... um, uh, suits extra pump for tonight. That is, is correct, yes. A, is he wearing a tuxedo? No, he's in his normal KO um, golf shirt and khakis. Awfully casual. That's his normal game day attire. Really? Ever tell you the story about the first time I actually I wore a golf shirt to a game? Because I mean, everything at Penn State with Joe was you know a jacket and tie, jacket and tie. Yeah, whenever, whenever I'm running. Uh, the and so we're um, yeah I know you're like beholden to somebody, but that's not me. Um, and it was the Citrus Bowl when they played Auburn. And the night before the game, it just poured. I'm talking two to three inches of rain. So the next day, it is humid as all get out. I said, I can't wear this. So I wore a golf shirt. Jack's wearing a golf shirt. And somebody in athletics who doesn't work there now said, oh, boy, yeah. wait till you know they see you guys wearing this. And they came in. The people that came in to, to be with us from the hierarchy came in. They were all wearing golf shirts, too. <laughs> Yeah, that's a nice shirt you got. Hey, yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. All right, so let's get to Ruben Frank here. Ruben, welcome. Uh, my co-host has been in mass panic for days over the Eagles. Mass panic. Are you going to talk him be. off the left? Are you going to talk them off the ledge, or are you going to tell them that the ledge is, has, has there's more room on it for other people? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting start. It's not, I think, what any of us kind of uh, you know foresaw happening. Um, you know, they got some issues. I think they're going to be okay on defense, um, but uh, Carson is is the the big issue. He's never been through anything like this, and his problems are multifaceted, which makes it a you know, a more challenging fix. It's not just one thing. He's making bad decisions. He's inaccurate. He's not moving well. So this team goes as Carson goes, and they can't be a great team unless he's great. They don't. They don't. They're not built that way. They don't have a lot of, you know, superstars. So uh, it's a concern. I think um, one thing about the Doug Peterson era, the, the five years, the four plus years he's been here, is that you know they've they've 
laughed at adversity every time, whether it's injuries yeah. in the Super Bowl season, losing Carson that year, or um, you know the injuries the last couple of years, a five-game losing streak one year. They've always kind of come out the other side, and I think that's what yeah. Doug is best at is kind of you know navigating the team through those um, those challenges. And this one's as, as big as any of them because um, right now they're just not a good team. And part of that is with injuries in part their offensive line has been a jumbled mess. What has that done to Carson Wentz's decision-making? Does he have to make quicker decisions because that line is so leaky? No, I thought the line played really well on Sunday in the Rams game. That wasn't the problem. And uh, even in the first game, in the Washington game, gave up eight sacks, but I would say gosh, three and maybe four of them were just Carson holding the ball too long. Uh, So they have had a ton of injuries on the O-line. Um, but, you know, Lane came back last week, and, you know, the backup guards have played well. So um, I don't think it's that. I think he's just, um, for whatever reason, he's just not comfortable. He can't get into a rhythm, and he's making bad decisions, which something he's never done. Um, so I don't know what's going on with him. I don't think anybody does. Uh, I think... <laughs> Obviously, if um, if there are issues, and I think I think the first game, yeah, you're, you're I mean, nothing was really going well. They didn't run the ball. They didn't have Miles. Couldn't run the ball well. So nothing was really working around him. They dropped passes. But in this game, in in the in the Rams game, you know everything else was in place. They they ran the ball well. They protected well. Um, you know there there weren't any drops. It was just him. So. Um, you know, there's there's no excuses. I, I don't think the O line is is the reason he isn't playing well. I think he's the reason he's not playing well. Yeah, nobody played any preseason games, and you know you don't play much, but you get a couple of series in one game, you get a half in another game. And I'm not talking about Carson here. I'm talking about in general. And what have you thought about the level of play from what you've seen in the league so far, Ruben? Because they've had to play it like college, where you just start. Mm-hmm. I've been surprised how how high the level of football is, uh, honestly, and and yeah, uh, I've been um, I've been really surprised. I, I I think you know I haven't seen the wholesale you know pre snap penalties I expected, um, drops, fumbles. I mean, it looks like football. You know, gosh, when you can watch a Browns Bengals game and be entertained, or you know, yeah. I, I mean. That that game was like I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is like this is football. This is this is doesn't you know doesn't look any different to me. And you know, Doug Peterson used that as an excuse for Carson's play. And you know, it's like, wait a minute, no, nobody else, nobody else had preseason games or OTAs, right. so you can't use that as an excuse. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been really pleasantly surprised, and I, I think the level maybe it's going to make people rethink the whole offseason, all the OTAs and mini camps and. Certainly, four preseason games is the dumbest thing in sports. You know, they used to play seven. They used to play you know, back in the fifties and sixties. They like played seven preseason games, I but know. and and then fourteen regular season games or twelve. But um, yeah, I think you know two preseason games, even one is plenty. You know, get some uh, you know joint practices with somebody and and go play football. So uh, cut down on injuries too. But I mean, that's the one difference, I guess, has been the injuries. Uh, have been really, really alarming, and I think a lot of that probably has to do with conditioning and and the lack of, you know, supervised conditioning over the off season. It's been it's been really sad to see. You, know, you see Saquon go down, and you know, some of these guys who you just 
the best players in the league, Bosa. And it's it's been a shame. But as far as the level of play, I've I've been surprised. Yeah, no, I have too, Ruben. I think they've actually come out of the gate. And you know, I think you made a really great point. Relatively few penalties. You know, that that's the part of the game. Fans do not enjoy the number of whistles in a game at all. It just stops the game. And I'll give you a good example. Browns-Bengals game. It is obvious that Greenham with the first Bengals series is uh, out of bounds. And then after about 45 seconds, they announce, we're going to take a look at it. We already know he's out of bounds. <laughs> oh. Let's go. Move it. Make it move. Well, last night, I mean, they that ridiculous ejection because the guy was moving the the ref's arm is like in his helmet yes. and he just like yes. you know moves moves his arm away he doesn't know who it is he doesn't know the guy from the other team or a teammate he just moves the guy's arm and they kick him out of the yeah. game are you kidding me yeah these these even Mom, Mike the, the, even Mike Pereira said something about that yeah the best the best sporting event I ever saw was a Baltimore Skipjacks AHL game at the old Baltimore Civic Center. <laughs> I forget who they were playing, but there was yep. it was a great hockey game and there wasn't one penalty called. <laughs> I was like, this has got to be the, the first time yeah. in the history of hockey that in the history of anything that there's no penalty. So yeah, um, yeah. if something's egregious, yeah, you call it, but um, it is a little out of control, especially pass interference. I mean, come on. But we're going off the rails here, but I yeah, I, I, uh, I yeah, I agree. <laughs> Uh, by, uh, by the way, that arena has a little special uh, for me personally. It was 1982, and it was the opening game, Penn State, Maryland. I did Lenny Bias's first game. So, yeah, uh-huh. so I'm gl- glad you brought that up because it may have reminded me of that. All right, so this week, Cincinnati. I still have uh, my 20- Baltimore Skipjacks uh, hoodie that I bought that night, actually. All right. Still fit? Yeah. I still have the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's great. One thing I said about uh, watching Cincinnati last week against Cleveland, I said, you know yeah. what? I look at Joe Burrow, and you know what he does? For the first time in a while, he gives Cincinnati a fighting chance. So what do you think of yeah. Cincinnati? Yeah, I think that when they surround him with a good supporting cast, um, he's going to be trouble. I, I really like his game. I like his poise. Uh, you know, he. It's funny. We were kind of, you know, we watched that game, and my 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 mom's family's all from Cleveland, so um, all my cousins and uncles, they're all they're all and aunts, they're all Browns fans, hardcore, big time, you know, Browns fans. And uh, you know, I used to, gosh, I used to go to games. I used to go to Indians games at the at the mistake on the lake back in the day, but. Um, you know, there'd be like eight thousand people in there. <laughs> Place that seated one hundred and ten thousand. But anyway, so I always watch. You know, I always try to watch the Browns, and I was really impressed with his just the way he carried himself for a kid in his second start. And you know, he he, he ran around when it was the right time to to run around. He stood in the pocket. Um, he obviously hasn't gotten great protection. They haven't run the ball well uh, with mix. I don't think their O line's very good. Um, you know, so they're, they're not a great team, but he's going to be trouble for this league. I, you know, and and that's something that kind of he he kind of looked like Carson used to, <laughs> just the way he was using his legs, not not necessarily to gain yards, but to get out of trouble, and you know, just kind of have a moving pocket and and throw on the run. Um, yeah, there's some there's some good young quarterbacks in this league, and he's he's definitely up there. I agree. All right, I have to I do have to ask you this again. We're going to go on a tangent for a moment. 
What's yeah, the one I'm game in that? What, what? Yeah. What's the one game in the old Cleveland Municipal Stadium where it was really cold and you hung in there to the fourth quarter, even though it wasn't a great game? Do you remember? Oh, oh, it was. Gosh, it was the playoff game. The, it was what the Brown. Oh, gosh, it was. Yeah, I had frostbite on my toes. I was in Anthony Griggs' locker. Um, he was bringing me like warm washcloths and stuff to like put on my <laughs> put on my feet. Um, yeah, it was playoff game in like eighty eighty eight or eighty nine. I can't remember. Were they playing the Broncos? Maybe I don't know. It's wow. that was a long time ago. I can't remember. I can't remember last week. Yeah, no, I do I just remember going was... to an Indians game against the White Sox with my uncle, and um, Dick Allen had went four for four. Hit four singles, four line drive singles up the middle. He just like stood there and hit the ball up the middle. It was a beautiful thing. I think Wilbur Wood pitched that day. (laughs) Wilbur Wood out of Lexington, Massachusetts. Uh, Knuckleballer, knuckleballer, 120 loss, 20, pitched both ends of double headers. Right? Yeah. So then, so then my Dick Allen, Roger Moret, Rogelio Moret, throws a one hitter. Against the White Sox. I'm at Fenway Park with my grandfather, sitting third base side. The only hit was in the seventh inning, an infield hit by Dick Allen. Really? It? So that's was it mine. playable so you, or was it, was it a close play at first? Uh, it was uh, It was Doug Griffin cut it off uh, behind the bag through, and the, the, it really it wasn't one of those, oh, you know, like today, would you review it? No. I was like, ah, bummer. Moret was nasty. I always liked Rogelio Moret. That that dude had some nasty stuff. Yeah, he did have some nasty stuff. He did really do. He had nasty stuff that day. In fact, Jim Rice had his first major league hit in that same game. Uh, okay, good stuff. So, see, good stuff. See, we're having fun here. Now, one last part, Ruben, and that's this. All right, the Eagles win Sunday if. If uh, yeah, if if Carson doesn't make mental mistakes, they win the game. Um, you know, this is a game that they they can control both lines of scrimmage. I think the the, the Eagles D line against that O line is a good matchup for them, and I think the O line, even with the injuries, um, is a good matchup for a Cincinnati front that I, I think is you know adequate, but you know not not great. So I I really think if Carson just manages the game, doesn't turn the ball over, he's got five turnovers in two games. Yeah. You know, so if if he does, if he protects the ball, uh, distributes it, and plays smart, and doesn't make mistakes, doesn't shoot himself in the foot, they win the game. If he does, they lose the game. Well, I hope you had as much fun on this as I did. I thank you so much for your time today because you made this half hour a lot of fun for the host. <laughs> Anytime, I got I got Red Sox stories. My brother used to be a season ticket holder. I got Red Sox stories really? for hours. So, yeah, really, yeah, yeah oh, he, he lives man. up in. Uh, up in Arlington, up there. So, yeah. Arlington. He gave. He yeah, Arlington. He. Uh, my dad's from Maine. He's from Portland. So you know, I'm I'm a New Englander. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he. When the Sox were in the World Series, um, he he called me. Somebody he had tickets for. I think it was Game Three, and uh, he called me the night before and said, "Can you be in Boston at three o'clock? At <laughs> three o'clock tomorrow, whatever it was." I oh. jumped on the jumped on like a six a.m. Excel and. Went to went to a World Series game on zero notice. That what a thrill that was, and oh, uh, I love Fenway's the best. I just love oh, that place. It's the greatest. Two thousand four World Series. Yeah, two thousand four World Series. All right, so game two. 
friend yeah. of mine a week before, week before Red Sox are down two games to none to the Yankees. Friend of mine says, "Hey, look, I can get us two tickets to a World Series game. Which will it be?" I said, "Look, I've got a game, football game I have to broadcast with Penn State Iowa next Saturday, so Game Two is really the only game I can go to." He goes, "You're in." I'm like, well, I got to win first. They go out that night, lose to the Yankees, nineteen to eight. They're now down three games to none. Okay, yeah. great. They win the next four games. So the game I do on that Saturday is Penn State Iowa. Iowa wins the game six to four. Get in the car with my buddy. We drive up to Fenway on that Sunday. And it's Kurt Schilling pitching in the second Bloody Sock game. Yeah. I get there, and it's cold. It's 47 degrees, Ruben. So I've got layers on. And the last layer I have is this Penn State jacket. I know you're surprised by that. Uh, And we sit down. We're five rows off the field of the pesky pole. And the usher is wiping off the moisture on the seat. And he looks up. And he looks at my jacket and it says, 6-4. to four. My God, that game was awful. I went, what? <laughs> he says, that game was terrible. I said, and the guy I'm with says, imagine announcing it. He says, who did that? I said, he did. He says, I'm so sorry. I said, don't be. I got paid. <laughs> so, yes. The Red Sox won 6-2 that night. Thank you. Uh, I, was, I, was, I thought you were going to say it was 6-4. Yeah, I know. You know he almost outscored them. <laughs> it was six two. Ruben, thanks so much, my friend. Appreciate it very much. Can't wait to talk to you again. You got any time. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I don't think he talked you off the ledge. I'm a little worried here. Well, I liked his last answer and and it's true. Carson manages the game. The Eagles are still, even with all their injuries, are a better team than the Bengals are. So I that makes me feel a little better, actually. But what have I been telling you all week? I just need to keep hearing I it and t- keep processing. I tell you that during the week. You've got better <laughs> talent. Okay? Okay, look at the team pictures. Now, You've however, got better they talent. Been, however, they haven't played like they've had more talent, but that's a different topic. The Bengals are not undefeated. <laughs> This is the worst of probably who they're going to play this year, but oh, just I do feel. Bottom some, line is though, I feel better. There are some people that listen to this get two hundred dollars an hour. I'm doing this for nothing. All right, <laughs> trying to talk you off. <laughs> feel like every day is a therapy session. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The beverage supermarket has the area's largest beer selection. Imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping, and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury, wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. 